The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey guys, I'd like to take a second to shout out the network that helps distribute our show, Armchair Media. Armchair is a collection of 50-plus podcasts, including ours, trying to localize the sports world a bit more. Uh, We've been with them for, I don't know, like six months or so, but we have really enjoyed working with Andrew and the rest of the team. Saints Happy Hour podcast, you guys have heard us talk about them in the past, but starting June 1st, Bet Online will serve as the title sponsor for Armchair Armchair Network, as well as our show. Pretty cool, right? Uh, gone are the days of, of mowing our respective lawns. Now we are on to online sports gambling. So I guess that's a step uh, forward. Also, I want to shout out The Nine Club. It's the world's largest skateboarding podcast, hosted by professional skaters Chris Roberts and Kelly Hart. Uh, perhaps Kevin knows who they are. You can follow them at The Nine Club. To see all things Armchair, search Armchair Media wherever you get your pods. And make sure to check out Armchair's website, armchairmedianetwork.com. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com and Bleacher Report, Preston Ellis. To make the playoffs, the Pelicans are going to have to barrel their way through the eighth seed's current placeholder in the Memphis Grizzlies. So we brought on friend and locked on Grizzlies host, Mark King. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. I appreciate you having me. Dude, of course, it's a blast. I've known Mark for probably three or four years. He's actually visited me down here at Disney World with yeah. his beautiful family. Uh, it's too bad you're probably not going to be able to make it down here in the the near to distant future, although we are said to be opening July 11th. Do you, yeah. you guys plan on coming down here another time soon? Our Well, our, our planned trip is always in September. That's just always the usual time we see you. Um, so we're... We're still, my wife is still debating it. So we'll, we'll see. It just depends on how much stuff is open and how, you know, if the kids are going to be able to have a good time. So we'll, we'll see. She definitely wants to, but who knows at this point? I mean, come September, you might be here right in time for the semifinals. I, I look, I have told her, um, you know, look, if we need to bump our vacation up a little sooner uh, to where I'm also down there, I'll, I'll pay, you know, we can say a little longer. I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. So there's some negotiating going on in the King household in terms of getting me down there for the Grizzlies uh, games. This, although I don't really know, you know, I, I no one knows what kind of media is going to happen or anything like that. So it's uh, still a lot to be, lots to probably happen between now and now in August. Yeah, I would imagine they're probably not going to let in a, a bunch of people like like you and me uh, into these <laughs> games. If, if they bring anybody in, it's probably going to be the heavy hitters of the industry. Although uh, I don't even know if they're going to want to in Florida right now. Um, it, we're we're back up to pandemic levels, a thousand new cases a day. We had wow. fifteen hundred on Friday, so the the problem is not going away. So uh, even though we're we're shifting our way into phase two here in Florida, uh, it it seems like things are just as bad as they've ever been. How is it in Memphis? Um, you know, we, we have, we, our cases are, are back on the rise, uh, as, as probably I think a lot of people expected they, they're in, I guess, what it was quote unquote phase two, 
Um, but then that got delayed a little bit. So, you know, it, <clears throat> it's probably the same as it is in a lot of cities. It's, it's uh, a lot of cities wanted to, uh, it's open back up and they, and they did, and they moved on to different phases. And now um, we'll could probably see in the effects of that is the, the numbers are probably starting to creep back up. So, you know, I, I know we're going to talk a lot about the Grizzlies and Pelicans and then the playoffs today, but at the same time, there's a, there's a whole nother conversation of, you know, what happens if, you know, players get down there and before anything even starts, is one test positive for training camp. So like there's a whole host of problems with, with the NBA and, and it doesn't just uh, limit itself to Grizzlies Pelicans. Um, you know, the rivalry that is becoming, uh, but I, I, which I'm totally here for, but there's a whole host of other problems. Yeah. Just before we get into the host of other problems, uh, I've been having a bit of fun uh, uh, on uh, Twitter recently. There's really not a lot to talk about. So we've been trying to kick the hornet's nest. That is the Memphis Grizzlies fan base. And uh, to our credit, they have jumped in and they have joined in the fray. So hopefully we'll have some fun. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys are, are probably uh, fond of our young core. And we, of course, are fond of John Morant. Uh, I, I, there was a lot of hope uh, internally uh, last offseason that the New York Knicks might slide into number two and they might be willing to do an Anthony Davis, John Morant straight up trade. Of course, we're we're thrilled with how things worked out with Lonzo, Hart, and Ingram and everything else that came with the deal, but definitely big fans. Uh, before we get into the talk of the Memphis Grizzlies, what they're going to have to do, their schedule, et cetera, et cetera. I just want to tell you guys again, um, I, I know the the weight across the country is really heavy right now with everything that's happened with Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, uh, peaceful protests around the country. Uh, we here at Armchair Media are trying to do our part. We're issuing two $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring young African-American creatives. Uh, Ralph Malbro, Andrew Juge, and myself, we're adding to that out of pocket. So we're going to try to add a third. Um, it should be awarded by July 31st. I think that's the timetable. So please, if you know anyone under 21 African-American who needs a boost um, creatively, please have them submit a project. It can be a graphic design. Uh, it can be photography, writing, audio, video, whatever, journalism, creative writing. Just submit that to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. If you'd like to contribute to that, possibly add a fourth scholarship, please DM me at Preston Ellis. All right, Mark, back to you. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, we've talked about the the state of the pandemic uh, in Memphis. Uh, in terms of peaceful protests, what what is the mood in Memphis right now? You know, first of all, I want to say that's pretty awesome what you guys are doing. So shout out to you guys. Uh, I think that I saw that across across my timeline and. Uh, you know, I think it's fantastic and it's something that, uh, you know, myself at Lockdown Grizzlies, you know, uh, we don't always have the biggest platform. And, you know, we we continue to tell people to, you know, whatever platform you have, use it for the good. You know, uh, I know that we I did a show earlier in the week talking about this, this very thing and kind of everything that's going on in the country. And I tried to articulate it as best as I could, um, you know, given the circumstances, just because I don't pretend to know or understand everything that's happening and going on. Um, but educating ourselves can be, you know, a path to really trying to understand more so and, and doing and doing that. So I, I think that you guys doing that again, using your platform for something good. I think it's awesome. Uh, really, really, uh, really, really cool. And so uh, and it's a guy who owns a creative company as my in my personal life uh, as a videography and a creative professional. I think that's really cool because I don't think that always it gets enough attention sometimes. So uh, shout out to you guys, first of all. So I think that that's really cool. And and then second of all, uh, to your question, uh, Memphis is, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're processing peacefully here. Haven't had too much, uh, haven't had, honestly, haven't had a lot of, a uh, lot of negativity or violence that has happened. Not a lot of uh, quote unquote rioting, rioting and looting, anything like that. You know, they, they've been really, um, uh, you know, 
mostly peaceful. Unfortunately, we had an incident last night where a protester got got ran over. Um, but that's been the first time that we've had really any type of violence in this city. And so uh, I, I really am very proud of, of what Memphis is, is able to do in terms of, um, you know, on both sides. You see so many videos come across our timelines. And if you follow me and if you follow Preston, I'm sure you probably have seen them because um, I reach with a lot of them. And, you know, you see so many videos across the country of uh, police violence on peaceful protesters. And it's just it's, it's it's just a shame and sad kind of thing, because, you know, it's it's like sometimes you just don't even get it. It's like we're out there out here protesting police brutality and you're resp- responding with police brutality. It's, it doesn't make any sense sometimes. So uh, I will say that Memphis has done a great job. Uh, the, the police has really not uh, been a problem. And so that's really what you want to see in a lot of the cities. And unfortunately, I think in a lot of the cities, it's been the exact opposite. It's been, you know, it's, it's been met with a lot of violence, a lot of uh, police unrest. It's just, you know, the exact opposite of what they're trying, you know, the protests are trying to get across. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for letting me put you on the spot uh, like that. I, I know myself, Ali, Mark, uh, we're not always the best qualified to, to speak on this, but we do do our part to try to stay active, to continue the conversation, to be a part of this uh, the best way that we know how. Uh, if you need more information, I'd strongly encourage you to visit 8 Can't Wait, a great website, great tools for you to look at and be able to diagnose what's been going wrong in our country and how we can fix some of it. Um, also encourage you to listen to David Grubb on 1280 AM hard in the paint. He's been uh, slinging fire all week long. All right, let's talk about the Grizzlies, Mark. Um, just in terms of where they were at the end of the, of the season, they lost five games straight before they put together a nice run against the Lakers, Hawks, and Nets. Uh, I think they won four of their last six games. As you concluded what was then the season, how are you feeling about the Grizzlies? Um, you know, that, that last stretch was, um, was obviously, it was without Jaron Jackson Jr. It was without Brandon Clark. Um, so there were some injury issues uh, for the Grizzlies. And so uh, going four and six in that stretch, which was a very difficult stretch, and they were about to go into an even more difficult stretch in that season, um, you know, you, you kind of help. You, 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 I thought it would be worse than that. I'll put it like that. Uh, and so seeing that, even though it's four and six, it's a losing record. It's, but at the same time, having uh, arguably two some of your best players – um, you'll take that. And so the Grizzlies were about to get, I believe right before the season shut down, they were about to get Justice Winslow for they made the trade from Miami at the trade down. They were about to get Justice Winslow back for the very first time. And so uh, the Grizzlies were about to come back with Jaron, uh, Brandon, Justice Winslow. And so it was a, it, it was about to be a difficult stretch for them. But at the same time, uh, they were getting a lot of their main players back that that really contributed on a nightly basis because of that 10 game stretch. Uh, Jaron was out for a lot of those games. Brandon was out for a lot of those games. So, you know, those guys, especially Jaron, uh, the second leading scorer on the team, uh, you know, you, you lose a lot of those points and then they, you know, it seems a lot of the, just put a lot of pressure on John Moran. Um, it's difficult uh, as you, as you probably know, once you, you know, once you're a one dimensional team and you don't have a whole lot of your other players, it's difficult to really do anything. It's difficult to, to win games. And so seeing those guys win four out of the six, I thought was a fantastic stretch for them. Even though I think most people would look at that from the outside looking in and say, well, that's not very good. And that's true. It's not very good, but at the same time, it's not very good with not a lot of their good players. And so, um, I think that's probably what a lot of Pelicans fans see. And, and you know, they, there's, there's some, there's some truth to that in terms of it's not very good. There's also some, uh, some context there for sure in terms of what they were, you know, who they were playing with and who they were playing against. 
Now, I wrote up a lot on Brendan Clark and John Morant for Bleacher Report this past week. Uh, I want to get into that in a moment, but I want to go back to Justice Winslow and touch on that because he's a high-usage player. Uh, he's someone that that we thought might be able to dictate offenses uh, in a non-traditional role, uh, a larger player who could, you know, play the three and four, but also, you know, kind of control and maintain the offense. Are you worried uh, about initiating him into your offense, knowing uh, that it's it, it might be a clunky fit at first? You know, I think that every every time you introduce a new player, it's difficult. You know, it's not just something you're just going to plug and play. It's it's like that with the start of a new season with a young core, as you guys probably, um, you know, Pelicans fans probably understand that as much as anybody. When you have a lot of young players, a lot of new players to each other, and the Grizzlies uh, roster was no different this year. They have, you know, Ja and Brandon and Jaron and Grayson. I mean, there's a lot of players that, you know, even D'Anthony Melton, a lot of players that just have never played before together. And, you know, and so – anytime you introduce someone new to that mix, there's, there's always a learning curve. And so um, I wasn't worried about it before, you know, the season, because obviously you have the rest of the season to get, uh, to get justice in the mix. And, you know, if you're going to make it to the playoffs that, you know, he's probably hitting his prime as you get into that, into the playoff uh, race at the end of the year. And so um, I wasn't really worried about it before. Um, You know, it's a little concerning now that they only have, a few games to get everything together. But at the same time, now in a situation where you have a lot of games, a lot of guys coming back and they're probably going to fit the same mold because it's not like, you know, it's not like we, when the season stopped, everybody just hit the freeze frame button and uh, hit the pause button and, and nobody, none of the players did anything else. You know, they've all been out there. Uh, maybe some of them staying in shape, maybe some have them been, have not been staying in shape. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks on terms of, you know, players and their availability and what, how, how well they've been taking care of their bodies, all those things. And so now the Grizzlies are probably in a position in terms of introducing Justice Winslow that like a lot of teams are probably going to be in the same boat um, in terms of just getting back into shape and getting back together, all those type of things. And so, you know, there was this thing now where, you, you know, you might have to have, you know, before the season ended, you might have to have Justice Winslow integrated slowly, things like that. But now I think you can probably start where you want to all along, which was uh, have Justice Winslow as your starting three. That was where they wanted to be all along or start in their starting unit. And so I think you can do that. And I think you can do that without a lot of repercussion in terms of uh, losing games. So I'm excited to see what happens with Justice Winslow. I think he's a quality player. I love the trade. I think he's going to be really, really good next alongside John Morant. And speaking of John Morant and Justice Winslow, there's not a whole lot of players John Morant doesn't make better, like to be quite honest with you. Anybody he's played with, he elevates their game a lot. So that also alleviates a lot of pressure from Justice Winslow as well. Yeah, I know a lot of Pelicans fans uh, have, have rightly touted that we won both matchups with the Grizzlies, but it, it is uh, fair to say that this is going to be a wildly different roster. Uh, just in terms of Justice Winslow's overall effect, we don't know what type of player. Obviously, he's missed significant time, but if he can put together that potential, all of a sudden, this team becomes vastly more dangerous, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, I got probably a little too excited. I was trying to uh, kick up some controversy. I wrote in Bleach Report why Brandon Clark's effect over the course of his career might be greater than that of John Morant. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous <laughs> in a vacuum. John Morant's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a multiple-time all-star. He's always going to be the leader and the focal point of this franchise. However, just in terms of raw numbers and in terms of overall impact, 
uh, Brandon Clark, I'm hoping, can put together uh, some of that defensive impact in college that made him a top four finalist for the Naismith uh, Defensive Player of the Year in 1819. If he can become that, we've already seen uh, his value over replacement is number one in his class. Uh, win shares number one in his class per 36, 20 points, 10 rebounds, uh, and 2.4 assists. That's per 36 again. That already rivals John Morant's 21 points, eight assists, four rebounds. Uh, he shoots 62% from the floor. Sorry, I just want to go through all of this just to give context. And uh, in 230 minutes, we always talk about uh, how the Pelicans starting five was number one in the NBA. But Clark, Jaron Jackson, DeAnthony Melton in 230 minutes, 21.1 points per possessions better than their opponents. That's 10th in the NBA. Talk about just how good you think Brandon Clark can ultimately become. Brandon Clark's an excellent player. I mean, I, I said this probably, I want to say the first or second game in the season. It was very, very early in the season that, um, that I thought Brandon Clark would be starting at the end of the year. Um, that still wasn't, you know, that's still not the case in terms of where they're at and where they were at in March. But Brennan Clark is one of the most complete players I've seen come to this game. I was, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know anything about Brennan Clark. I don't watch a ton of college basketball besides, uh, what's, you know, generally right around me. Um, and I don't generally, um, do a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of researching players that the Grizzlies aren't going to be trying to select. And so, um, he's not a guy I really looked at before the before the draft because the Grizzlies weren't really in a position to pick him there. Um, and so, you know, they moved up to get Brandon Clark. And quite frankly, I didn't think he would fall. I don't think a lot of people think he would be there when they selected him. And so, uh, you know, Brandon Clark is one of the most uh, complete players I've seen come into the NBA, just like right off the bat, like in the first week of him being in, in, in an NBA game, he just looked like he belonged there. And so, you know, that right there is just such a big, big step in terms of what he's able to do on the court, because you see a lot of guys out there in the in the college game and the college game is so, so different from the NBA game. And I tell that people tell that to people all the time. It is so different. It is not even close to being the same. And so to have someone to come into the NBA and immediately just be like, OK, this is just this is just normal. This is just normal NBA play. And that that right there. You point to you look at that and you're like, wow, that's that's something. Even if it's just playing defense or or rebounding the ball or whatever, just being able to be on the court, you know, 20, 20 minutes a night and not feel like you're giving something up because you see a lot of guys, a lot of teams play young guys and they play them twenty minutes a night, but at the same time, you're like, man, I feel like if we didn't have to pay that guy twenty minutes a night to develop him, we'd be a better team. But that's not the case for Brandon Clark. You take Brandon Clark off the floor as a rookie and you're a worse team for it. And so I think he's an amazing player. You know, obviously comparing him to John Moran is a little bit different. I think John Moran is a, is a, is a superstar, uh, but at the same time, Brandon Clark, I think he, he's going to have a very, very good uh, uh, league of our very, very good career in this league. And so I think that's something that's not something to diminish at all. I think he's very good and will be very good for a very long time. I forgot my favorite statistic. I mentioned that he shot 62% from the floor. However, Brendan Clark as a rookie is already uh, possibly on the cusp of becoming the first player ever to shoot 60% from the floor, 40% from three, and 90% from uh, the free throw line. He's already above 40% from three-point range. I can't remember offhand, but I think that was over two attempts a game. So it's it's a noticeable yeah, his, number. His efficiency, is, his efficiency is amazing. Like it, It's really, really impressive because – it's not it's it's not the way with the shots he shoots it's it's how smart he shoots them like he just understands the game in terms of 
the way the ball comes off the rim a lot of times, rebounding the ball, being in position to put it back, um, and just understands how how good John Moran is. And he's always there for a lob. Or I mean, it's just he's always in the right spot. He is so smart. I think that's probably the most underrated skill in terms of Brendan Clark is how smart he is to understand how the NBA game flows. Yeah, in terms of pick and roll, you just mentioned with Ja, uh, Ja and Brandon Clark are 12th in the NBA, 94.7 percentile uh, as a finisher, and Brandon Clark is sixth best in scoring frequency in the pick and roll. So already top five in a lot of different categories. Let's go ahead and get to the main course in terms uh, before we get to the playoff format and talk about Ja. Uh, he's one of seven rookies ever to get 17.6 points and 6.9 assists, shot far better than all of them led all rookies in both scoring and assists in 2019-2020. Talk about a ceiling. How good do you think John Morant is and will be? You know, I think, um, I just, you know, like I just said, I think John Morant's a superstar. I thought that whenever the Grizzlies got the number two pick, excuse me, I knew it was always a question. It was never a question of R.J. Baird or anybody else. It was a, it was a question to me. I always, and I'll probably, you know, there, you'll probably get some feedback for this, but to me, I thought, always thought Zion and Jawa 1A, 1B um, in terms of the top of the draft. I never, and there was, and then after that, it was a, you know, it was a significant drop of skill after that. Um, and I'm not just saying that because we have, you know, the Grizzlies got John Moran. I just, that's just what I thought. There's some things that, um, there are some things that John Moran does that, we're always going to translate to the NBA, his court vision, his, the way he sees the game, his balance. Like there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that we're always going to translate to the NBA game. And and we're never, you know, that kind of stuff is easily translatable. And so it's a lot of things that, you know, that uh, Brandon Clark does that are easily translatable to the NBA game. You know, some skills you have in college sometimes don't always translate or aren't easily translatable um, or don't always take effect right away. But the things, the way Josh sees the game, that was always going to be, that was always going to be there. And so um, I think John Morant has the potential to be an absolute superstar in this league. And, and that's not saying that Zion is not going to as well, because I think they both are. And I think that people get caught up in the, 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 um, you know, the idea of Ja versus Zion and which is fun to talk about. And it's fun to jab at each other on Twitter. I love it. I'm all here for the rivalry, but at the same time, we can't, you know, we can talk about it and, and be okay with those guys both being awesome and amazing for a long time because they are going to be, superstars in this league when we talk about the future of the league uh, i think those two guys are you know when you look back at some of the best drafts you know in the, in the nba history i think that that draft with those two guys at the top you'll look and you'll see them being on all-star teams all the time together like i think that is something that is a very real possibility in the very near future you know i think there is i think next year you could see zion and ja on an all-star team together like i think those are very real possibilities very soon um and i think john brandt is just it's a tip of the iceberg, but he, he, you know, he like very much like Brandon Clark came into the league and started taking over like right away. Like it, it took him like a week to get, to get adjusted. Um, but he got adjusted very quickly. And the thing that, I think that is the most fun about John Rant is like, he has that like killer mentality. Like he will like dunk on you and then make fun of you at the same time. Like that's, it's fun to watch. Uh, it's fun to see play. And so I think that, uh, you know, that goes a long way just in terms of watchability and, and likability, but he's also just very, very good at basketball. 
Yeah, obviously I'm not a Grizzlies fan and I haven't watched every minute of basketball, but I, I did watch my fair share and I know that the Kevin Love potential dunk might be a fan favorite, but uh, my personal favorite, and this might have resonated with you as well, was uh, against James Harden when he was barking, tell him about me and yes. shooting back-to-back threes in his face. Let's let's go ahead and shift uh, because the, the most important topic throughout all of this is the new playoff format. 22 uh, teams, you guys should know by now. Uh, they they keep their three and a half game lead. There's eight games to play. If the ninth seed finishes within four games, it triggers a play in. Whoever the eighth is at the end of that, uh, it faces double elimination. Whoever ninth is faces single elimination. What was your reaction to this new format? You know, I, I thought it was um, it was not my favorite idea. Obviously, I was a huge fan of the group stage format, and which was probably worse for the Grizzlies in terms of like um, in terms of fairness, if you want to say that. You know, like whatever they did, whatever the NBA did, it was never always going to be super duper fair to everybody. Like it was never going to fit. Like a, there was no one size fit all. Um, but I think what the Grizzlies got was a very a favorable matchup. I mean, a very favorable uh, playoff scenario because the Grizzlies did have the hardest schedule in the league, but now they have like, you know, in terms of if they do the schedule, like it has been proposed or uh, we have seen out there on Twitter in terms of just taking like the next games and all that kind of stuff, just going to the next, next schedule, like how, how it was, um, you know, you do that and the Grizzlies drop down to like the 14th or 15th hardest schedule. So like, they got a huge bump. And then, you know, now obviously the Pelicans have still have a pretty easy schedule, but there are teams that would have had an easy schedule now have a difficult schedule. And so, it, you know, it, there's a lot of, obviously a lot of teams that are probably not happy about that. Again, there's never going to be one size fits all, but for the Grizzlies, I think that uh, they got a pretty favorable matchup in terms of their strength of schedule. You know, they already still have a still their still have their three and a half game lead. And then on top of all that, even if you find yourself, in a situation where you have to play the play-in game, you know, and you're still barely holding on to that eighth spot, you still have to lose twice to a team. And so I think if you go through all that, and this is probably not popular for Grizzlies fans, but it's the truth. But if you go through all that and you um, you still find yourself on the outside looking in, it's probably your fault. Like, it, it's just, I think there are a lot of scenarios um that you can find yourself inside the playoffs. But if you still end up, you know, ninth or 10th and you don't make it as a Grizzlies team, I don't know how you can sit there and say, you know, it's anybody's fault, but your own, because you'll have had multiple, uh, you know, especially someone like the Pelicans, you're going to play the Pelicans twice. If that's the case in terms of the schedule, uh, you can play the Trailblazers. You're going to play these teams that are, you're fighting rightly, you know, against for this playoff spot. And so if you, you know, if you beat the Pelicans twice, you know, that that pretty much ends it for the Pelicans if you beat them twice in a row. And even if it somehow doesn't, um, even if it's like the only two games the Grizzlies win in their schedule and it's the Grizzlies Pelicans playing, you still have to beat the Pelicans. You know, they only have to beat you, you know, you only have to beat them once. Like they have to beat you twice. So like, I, I just think that it's it's very favorable for the Grizzlies in terms of um, in, in terms of the, the, the end of the year. And to be fair, I think it should have been favorable for the Grizzlies because they have built up a lead uh, throughout the entire season. It's not like, you know, would have would have what would have made everybody mad. I think as if it wasn't a situation where it made it beneficial for the Grizzlies to get in because they had already spent the entire year building up a lead and building up a cushion. And if that got wiped away for no reason, that would have been a, that would have been the worst possible scenario. But I think what they got was pretty good. 
And let's talk about the viability of this format, Mark, because obviously uh, Pelicans fans, I want the Pelicans to to get into the playoffs. Uh, you know, I think they have a better team. The Portland Trailblazers can make the same argument with a, with a healthy Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic. The Kings were playing exceptionally well. They won seven of their last 10 games. The Marcus Aldridge, I think the last time he faced the Pelicans had like 32 and 14. So obviously they've got a strong squad. But just in terms of what the NBA is planning to do, putting these 22 teams against each other uh, day in and day out over the course of probably uh, two, maybe three weeks, constantly exposing players. Obviously, I'm not a health official. Uh, I don't know the viability of a bubble. I don't know if they'll be able to maintain uh, all the players from from breaking out of their respective hotels and going out and hitting Star Wars world. (laughs) But, But how concerned are you that, the logistics of all of this could be crippled early on because they've elected to pit all of these teams against each other day in and day out. You know, I, I don't think that the trailblazers are not, excuse me. I don't think the Suns and the, what are the wizards should even be because shouldn't even be coming. I mean, it's just too many, it's just extra people for no reason, honestly, like they're never going to make it to the playoffs. Let's just be, let's just cut their losses and move on. But whatever. I just think they're obviously adding more teams to the mix. It's just, it's just stupid, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very concerned about the viability of just the logistics of this pandemic and what you're able to do in terms of getting these playoffs done. I mean, you got to think about it. Like it took one player, took one player to test positive, Rudy Gobert, in the league and the earlier in the season, and in a matter of four or five hours, the league was done. I mean, it was it was quick. Like it was it was very quick uh, in terms of what they were like thinking about doing very very soon. To, to really to for everybody's health and, and rightly so to be honest with you but it took one player and so i think there are so many logistical issues you know what what happens if the all teams come back to if, if the grizzlies come back to memphis and jaron jackson jr po- tests positive okay so if he tests positive well the grizzlies aren't just gonna be like well that's fine we'll just let jaron sit out and we'll just play our games without jaron especially meaningful games a guy that is your second best player of the team that's not going to happen. What happens if the Pelicans, if Zion tests positive? I'm sure the Pelicans players or the Pelicans fans and the and and, and management are not going to be like, hey, yeah, we're just going to play without Zion. That's not going to be fair. And so, you know, but then you go, okay, what about Grayson Allen? Grayson Allen is a, a role player, plays 10 minutes a night, doesn't really matter. I mean, he matters, but not really in terms of players. And so could, could he, you know, play without him and not really that big a deal? Probably. Uh, and, and really not impact your team that much. So, you know, those are just like what happens if, the players just come back from all the protests that they're there to doing, which is totally, totally cool. But at the same time, like, you know, what happens if you just come back to training camp and they test positive before they even start anything. But then even in the middle of that, what happens if again, they do go out to star Wars land and someone tests positive, Maybe they, they're not they're not sick, but they test positive, you know, they're still carrying it. They're asymptomatic. And so that's the biggest issue is like, yeah, they could play, but they have to go into quarantine. Then you do you quarantine a whole, you have to quarantine the whole team probably because of contact tracing. Do you just press pause? Like, those are the those are the amount of variables that the league is dealing with, and I don't think they know the answers to any of those questions either. But I think that's going to be the biggest issue. To that's the biggest issue the NBA is facing, and not like the the biggest issue is 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 still what happens when someone tests positive. Because I think think it's an if. I think it's probably a win. I don't know if you can have that amount of people in the same place, and can, you can't control them in terms of like, keeping them from going out. It's just it's not going to be able to do it. If someone's going to go out, someone's going to do something, or uh, if they come back home from somewhere, like there's just so many variables. And that's the biggest threat to this NBA season 
it's still the pandemic. It is not like, you know, the biggest problem for them isn't like who's mad about the eight seed or Portland voted no or any of that crap or when there are people are allowed or teams are allowed to sign players or two-way contracts, any of that stuff. It's still the same problem that was presented to them, you know, three months ago, whatever it is now. And so that is what they're still facing in terms of what they have to figure out. I don't think they know. I don't think they will know. I think they'll probably have some type of, you know, some type of plan, but you know, until it happens, I don't know what the real plan is going to be. And I don't know if they do either. This is Mark King. You can follow him at King underscore producer. And we'll obviously have him back on as we get uh, closer to games. We're still about eight weeks away. Uh, yeah, it just seems like there might be uh, a bit of a lack of comprehension on the part of some of the players. Uh, we've, we've seen some tongue-in-cheek comments from Jared Dudley saying things like Anthony Davis and LeBron James won't be allowed to leave the hotel. But then you're prefacing that by by insinuating that you will, in fact, Jared Dudley, be going out on the town. Robin right. and Brooke Lopez, yeah. or Brooke Lopez, I should say, uh, making playful jests about going to Galaxy's Edge and, uh, you know, going on star tours, uh, as as I've seen them do in the past. Uh it, it, it just it's problematic. Um, but let's go ahead and, and finish up with this, Mark. Um, for all of this, all that the, the NBA is doing to generate a bit more of a, a revenue, get some eyeballs on Zion, on John Morant before whoever ends up in the eighth seed, whoever does manage to secure that eighth seed, how much of a chance do you give them against Los Angeles? Uh, zero to none. Uh, <laughs> you know like look like look, there's reason the pelicans fans are, are are realistically arguing on twitter like every day i see it all the time and i'm i'm the one instigating just as much as anybody but look a bit let's be honest we're all just playing for a chance to get beat by lebron so it really doesn't matter anyway does it you know like it's all fun and games but the grizzlies are not making it out of the first round they never were they never were going to make it out of the first round like even though they made it in the regular season they were never going to beat the, the lakers maybe they'd get five games maybe but they were never going to make it out of the first round. Um, and ne- neither are the Pelicans. Like, I-, I think that both both teams have great young cores and will be very good teams uh, in years to come. But right now, that, Le- that, that LeBron Lakers team is so good. And LeBron was on a mission this year. Like, he was – like he was on a mission this year. And so I don't think there was anybody stopping that dude, especially not the first round, uh, the Pelicans or the Grizzlies for that matter. So, you know, whoever ends up in the eighth seed – uh, you know, whatever, whatever happens, it, it'll still end in four games, maybe five. Um, the only thing we're missing now is that our fans, you know, get the home games to go to and, and at least watch them get beat up. But, uh, you know, again, <laughs> that's the only thing different now is that now we'll have to watch it on TV. Oh, man. <laughs> now I feel sour. I, know, I you know, left a lot of positivity for all the Pelicans and Grizzlies out there. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but, you know, it's the truth. But, hey, I still like arguing with Pelicans fans. It's still fun. You're you're setting yourself up, Mark. Now it's you're getting us to a point where defeating the Grizzlies will become our NBA Finals. <laughs> uh, you're you're obviously not wrong. Uh, all that we're looking for is growth and development from our young core, as I'm sure that you are too. Uh, we've been talking for over half an hour, and I'm sure I'm going to have you back uh, as we get into mid-July. So that's all the time we're going to do for now. Remember, you guys, if you like what you're hearing, please retweet. Share us, uh, rate us on iTunes. You can do so at Lockdown Grizzlies as well. I'm sure Mark would appreciate that. Uh, if you've already done it, just grab somebody else's phone, do it on theirs. And please, if you'd like to donate to our scholarship fund, DM me. It's scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. Uh, we're really close to having three, if not four, for this semester. Mark, is there anything I missed? Anything else you want our listeners to know? No, I think I think we did a great job covering and talk about today. Again, like you mentioned, we still have a long way to go. Lot to talk about. I'm sure we'll we'll do it more in the future. 
everybody, please stay safe, stay active, uh, continue listening to your leaders and doing the best that you can. For now, uh, we're just really excited that basketball's back. Uh, hopefully, uh, in the next seven weeks, barring any kind of uh, potential catastrophe, everybody, please stay safe. Please continue wearing a mask. I'm going into the grocery store, pick up stuff for my wife and mother-in-law, and nobody in the building is wearing a mask, despite the fact that Florida still has 1,500 cases per day. It's really enraging. So please take care of each other, wear a mask. Let's dance. Let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Hey, what's up, Pels fans? I want to take a moment to tell you about our friend Ralph Malbro and Andrew Juge at Saints Happy Hour. Not only are they the podcast that Sean Payton hates, uh, if you guys haven't heard that excerpt, you need to, uh, but they cover the Saints with a perfect blend of sincerity and uh, stupidity. Uh, God's honest truth. I love this podcast, you guys. I listen to every episode. Uh, it's it's honestly my favorite. I probably listen to 30 podcasts per week, and I never miss these guys, not only because I love the New Orleans Saints. I've had, uh, I had season tickets from 1991 to 2002. But honestly, these guys are just freaking hilarious. I podcast all the time, as you guys know, and and I often lament that I'm not as funny as these guys. So make sure you download their podcast, Perfect Blend of Fun and Saints Coverage. Search Saints Happy Hour wherever you get your podcasts and let them know we sent you.